Oh, wow. Judah, you gave me goosebumps, brother. Take a seat, take a seat, everybody. Can I just say, what awesome church fam that we have, hey? What awesome church fam. Look at that. Are you ready? Who had a, who had a good Christmas? Hmm? Who had a good New Year? Can you believe it? it's the 31st of January already? January is done. It's said and done. Sam's looking at me like, this is not in the notes. What's going on here? I just want to let you know, we had a, we had a, pretty, good, uh, we had a pretty good break over January. Um, what did we do, babe? We did a lot. So we went to the beach a lot. Uh, we went to Forever Free. It was awesome. Woo! Got to meet like Jake and James and Trent and, and, and Harry and us. We went on coffee runs. And you see, if you don't go and meet these people, then I can't stand up here and call you guys by first name. I love that I met the rest of my church. It's so cool. It's so cool. And um, I mean, what else did we do? We, had, we ate lots of cake. It was my birthday yesterday. Had a great day yesterday. And absolute Sam's looking at me like, no, you did not. But let me tell you something. I did. I'm going there. So I woke up in the morning. I had breakfast on the table. Sam told me that she cooked some uh, poached eggs for me. And she, she messed it up a couple of times. And so she fed it to Uffy and gave me the good ones. That was awesome. She bought this cool uh, classic Nintendo for me. It was the wrong one. It didn't matter. I love my family anyway. And then we went out to a brand new restaurant. It's tricky. We went out to a brand new restaurant. We won't name it. And the food was av, average at best. And so Sam's like, man, <clears throat> I really feel like, I really feel like I let you down. I really feel like you had a bad birthday. Can I tell you that was not the case? Not the case at all. I had the best birthday of my 35 years. I'll tell you why. At the beginning of the year, you might know this guy's name was Kobe Bryant. He was this legend, absolute legend in basketball. He passed away tragically with nine other people in America. Can I tell you what, church? It really hit me. It hit my boys, and it hit my, it hit my whole household. But at the end of the day, I, I don't need a birthday to feel special. I don't. Because to me, this is what's special to me. That right there. That's all that matters. I don't need a birthday. That's my beautiful family. That's us Christmas Day. And that's all I need. That's absolutely all I need. And she's like, whoa, that wasn't in the sermon. That was not in the sermon. But that's cool. And so, you know what? I'm just glad that we're here. I'm glad that we can share our stories and our experiences and do it with you guys as a church family. Is that cool? Awesome. So we're going to start with a video because we want it to be just like Elijah. How cool is that? That was, uh, that was our Auntie Michelle. And uh, she was just this, the, the most beautiful person in our lives. And 
There was actually a video of our Auntie Michelle 24 hours before she went home to be with our Heavenly Father. And our, our message tonight is, is inspired by her incredible life and her zeal for the kingdom. And I remember, I remember the first thing Auntie Michelle said to me. She's like, hi, David. Do you know Jesus? <clears throat> and can I tell you, that's exactly how she greeted anybody new that came into her life. She was awesome. Um, Auntie Michelle was born with uh, Williams Syndrome. She was the youngest of four kids, and so she was the, the baby of the house. Can I tell you, Auntie Michelle had this, um, it's, it's an unmeasurable, actually, unmeasurable love for Jesus. She would actually, um, she'd actually refer to Jesus as her husband. She was like, yes, I'm, I'm married to the king. It was, it was, it was, it was so cool. But, you know, um, yeah, Michelle would like sit and, and she would rock in her chair and she would watch like Joyce Meyer and, and the Benny Hinn videos all day long and she knew like all the Christian songs word for word and, and God blessed her with this awesome voice too. It, my boys were like, whoa, Auntie Michelle can sing. I was like, yeah, she can. So she would, I'd, I'd often sing with her, would, would, would sit and sing and she would do the melody, I'd do the harmony and she was like per- perfect pitch, it was awesome. Um, what else? Michelle, Michelle would always be at the front of the church. You know, she was actively uh, in there when it came to uh, spiritual warfare. Um, the whole community knew Michelle, put it that way. If there, was, if there was ever an issue, she was the first one to come and lay hands on you. Um, we love her and we miss her. And she was, um, she was just this huge personality, and she was only 4 foot 11. That was only Michelle, right? She was shorter than, yeah, shorter than Sammy. And um, anyway, she, she departed this earth, uh, it was the 17th of March at seven minutes past seven, and we know that um, there's a biblical significance in the number seven, so that kind of, it kind of gave us comfort, which was awesome. And so we've been so, so inspired by Michelle and her burning passion for Jesus. So we wanted to bring uh, a bit of Michelle uh, with us as we talk about, you know, are you ready, the summer series? And we want to ask you guys a few questions, but first, I'm going to ask my lovely wife to pray. Right, if you bow your heads. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come together as a church family in honor of you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Let our words tonight be yours and not ours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So God gave um, our family a verse for Michelle, and uh, tonight we'd like to share that verse with you. It's, it's second, uh, second Timothy uh, chapter 4, number 7. It says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And this is exactly how our Auntie Michelle relentlessly lived her life. She did fight that good fight. She did win the race. And she did it all with unwavering faith. Can I interrupt? Sorry. The sunset behind us, that was the sunset that rose after she had passed. Isn't it incredible? And so we want to share some of our experience and some of our thoughts um, around how this verse applies to our lives and how we want to uh, walk more like Michelle as she, you know, actively pursued Jesus. Cool? So our first point tonight is, are you ready to fight the good fight? Cool. So in 2018, uh, Sammy and I were approached to to start a, a frontier out in the community, and at that point... Um, we, we didn't think about doing anything else in church. I mean, we were happy. We, we were with DNA. We were Darren and Ann. We were just having family dinners. We are just getting, you know, larger down here, just eating. We were just, you know, Friday night church, love it, Sunday mornings, worshipping. And that was all cool, you know. We were, we were happy in our, in our little corner. And it was easy, and it was uh, predictable, and it was comfortable. Who can, who can relate to that? 
Just, just chilling. Cool? Awesome. Um, well, anyway, we went away and we started uh, dreaming up uh, a frontier and asking God, God, where, where do you want us? Where can, we, where can we serve the kingdom? And Sammy got a very clear vision to uh, return to the park just down here in South Windsor. And I don't know if you know, but previously our church used to go down there and used to hang out with the locals. And so Sam was like, let's go back and let's start that back up again. And um, let me tell you, let me, let me describe this park to you because I live in the area, okay? Um, this park used to be, not anymore, used to be a really, really rough park. Like, I mean, we would drive um, home pretty late at night sometimes, say 10 o'clock at night, and there'd be like, you know, primary school kids on their bikes just, just running amok, um, you know, all the... Uh, associated, affiliated gangs, you know, just, just hanging out down under the gazebo over there, or just, you know, just people just um, drinking alcohol and, and getting rowdy and stuff like that. So, so from the outside looking in, um, this was definitely a place that was, I guess, covered in darkness, just in, just in this little corner, this little area of our um, community. And so we identified quite easily that um, we needed to shine Jesus's light on that. And so we begun to uh, pursue God in that, and through prayer and conversation, we decided, okay, cool, we're going to go back there. And in October 2018, we started this thing called Foundation. Has anyone heard about it, Foundation? Cool, awesome. For those of you who don't know, so Foundation, is, it's pretty simple. We go down to the park, we play games, we share some food, and we hang out. And um, I, guess, I guess it sounds pretty simple, um, but we learned pretty quickly that there was going to take a lot of effort and, and a lot of prayer to, to be able to do God's work. And so I guess me being the logical slash logistical part of this marriage, I was like, okay, I mean, we can take our Barbie and, and a couple of tables and we can take that. But, but if we're going to make this like the best, like the best community outreach thing, then we really need another gazebo and, and, and a footy ball, and uh, let's get a bubble machine, it's, it's going to be cool, that's pretty freaky, and, and I, talked myself, I talked myself into believing that we weren't ready to start this thing, well, my lovely wife, Sammy, she, uh, she had other ideas, she was like, no, David, <laughs> <Just like that. laughs> let's take what we have, even if it's not that much, and start anyway. So we started, she won the argument, and then uh, anyway, we had like eight people come the first week, and it was like, awesome, cool, we're hanging, and then the next week it was like 20 people, and then the week after that it was like 45 people, so you can see what happened, right? You can see what happened, yeah, God showed up, yeah, God showed up in a big way, God brought the people, and also the other thing was after the first week we discovered that this frontier wasn't specific to youth, it wasn't. We had parents showing up with their, with their newborn babies. We had grandparents showing up with their grandchildren. We had Bruce, Bruce, we had the dogs pulling their owners into the park. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. That's where we met um, Afi's inspiration, right? Anyway, and um, it, it, became, it became very apparent that this was generational. God had created a generational community outreach, outreach and it... I guess it continued to grow. I mean, upward of about 70 people. Yeah. And all we did was spend time together in the park. That was it. Now, let's get, let's get something straight here because we, we like to reality check ourselves all the time. It wasn't the small team of volunteers and people that helped um, create and grow this frontier. God did that. Yeah? God provided the people. Yeah. All we did was show up with the, 
the little that we did have and be obedient to what God was asking us to do. So for us, fighting the good fight was stepping out into the unknown with the little we had in obedience to God. So are you ready to fight the good fight, church? Ask yourself, what is it that God has put in your hand that you could use for kingdom purposes? What are you passionate about? What is it that puts a fire in your belly? What are your gifts and what are your talents? How can you use your gifts and talents to see the good news reach your community? Are you ready to take ground for the kingdom? In Ephesians 2.10, it says... For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this scripture is not just for a few chosen people. It is for all of us. Each person sitting here tonight, carefully crafted for kingdom purpose. The phrase, fight the good fight, refers to doing something righteous and keeping at it. 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says... We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Fighting the good fight means taking up your cross daily and representing Christ through the fruit of the Spirit in whatever space you find yourself in. Now, I understand that that is not always an easy thing to do. It is a continuous daily choice. So I ask you, what will you choose? In 2020, church, are you ready to fight the good fight? Cool. And so our second point tonight is, are you ready to run the race? So, I mean, along the way, we made countless mistakes. There were so many gaps in what we were doing, but we honestly felt because our hearts were right, God was going to allow us to work these things through on the fly, kind of. I mean, how gentle is God, right? And so um, we got together a list of things that we wanted to take, and we created a structure for Frontier, and we, we headed off to the park to uh, claim it in the name of Jesus, and it was cool, and everything was awesome, everything was awesome, right? No, not exactly. It was not. There were so many things that we didn't consider. There were so, there were so many lessons that we needed to learn, like um, the good old Australian heat. Wow, we learned. We're going to learn today. So, uh, yeah, our first foundation, we ran out of, of water bottles in like the, thir- the first um, 30 minutes because it was such a hot day. And so halfway through our first one, we had like all these thirsty kids running around and we only had one gazebo at that stage. So if you can picture this, there were like 14 people just like crammed under this one gazebo, just like, you know, trying to miss the beaming hot sun. And I remember... The kids coming up to us going, oh, oh, we're thirsty. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, there's, a, there's no more water. So uh, just, just come and get under the gazebo with me. And so we fed all these. She's like, why are you walking away? And um, we, we fed all these kids some sausages. And so it was still a really hot day. And then I was like, right, who wants to run around and go kick a ball? And then this kid goes to me, um, we're good. And I was like, oh, that's a little bit embarrassing. And so, anyway, we sent these kids home, and uh, they were parched. They were potentially dehydrated. But um, we went home, and we reevaluated some things, and we got a second gazebo and doubled the amount of water bottles the next time, and we went back, and it was really hot again, and um, it was cool, because this time we had plenty of shade. 
and we had double the amount of water bottles. But uh, believe it or not, we, uh, we ran out of water again. And so me and Sam, we went home and we reevaluated. So we went to Bunnings and we bought like this 40 liter container of water. It's huge. And we filled it up. We threw it in the fridge and we got that ready and we took it back. And I was like, right. At this point, I'm like daring the kids try and drink all this water. I got, I got 40 liters. No, honestly, I'll give you two bucks each if you guys can finish it. And so they start drinking this water out of the container. One kid goes to me, um, Big Dave, uh, this tastes like tap water. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but at least it's cold, right? It's cold. And he's like, yeah, I guess. And so now we've got plenty of shade. We've got plenty of water. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. But now it's week three, and there are a lot more people than week one. And so we run out of sausages, Ethan. And so Sam, Sam like runs down to the butcher and is like, oh, I need some sausages quick. And so she just runs back to the park and I'm like, boom, get them on. I'm like cooking, mad storm, boom, boom, boom. And then it's home time and all these sausages are ready and these kids are like, nah, we're good. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. So these kids are going home hungry now and deflated, me and Sam, we go home. What do we do, babe? We reevaluate and we just buy more sausages. And so we show up the following week and we're like, honestly, we feel like we've got all bases covered. Two gazebos, three packets of sausages. That's lots of sausages, 40 liters of water. And the same comes up, kid comes up to me, he's like, hey, Big Dave, um, this is the best tap water I've ever had. I'm like, I know, it's because it's cold, right? And he's like, yeah. And so he's happy. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We are finally heading in the right direction. Then the kids start arguing. They start calling each other names. Mm. <laughs> now we've got kids in tears. Mm -hmm. And at this point, ugh, we don't really have a lot of leaders helping us. And so we're like, oh no, we failed again. We're supposed to be in the community dropping love bombs on the community. But over here, we've got these like kids in tears. So again, <laughs> we go home. <laughs> We reevaluate. Can I tell you, we did this for six months, every single week. Six months. That's two whole school terms. We discovered new needs. Um, we started creating strategies to make it better, to make it safer for the community. And in the beginning, I thought this was all about a, you know, a silly little bubble machine. Um, anyway, we grew week by week, celebrating the small victories. I mean, we bought, we bought a handball. The kids were like, this is awesome. I was I like, love yes. The handball, yeah. Love the handball. We celebrated that. Yeah. And this is what we think it came down to. We endured the hardships through focusing on Jesus. Yeah. We learned about, you know, park and road safety. We learned about being present, intentional, and available. We learned about healthy boundaries. And you know what? We communicated consequences if those boundaries were breached. Yeah. We were learning on the run. And so something that sounded so simple, you know, food, games, fellowship, it took a great amount of effort, a great amount of energy, and a great amount of resilience. I mean, at one point, like, we had some of the younger guys swearing at the youth leaders. I remember thinking, wow, this is new. I mean, for me, anyway, this is definitely some next-level stuff. And I guess when you start giving all of yourself, and you see everybody else doing that as well, you know, committing time, but things aren't working out the way that you want it to work out, naturally, I mean, come on, naturally, you start to feel weary, you know? 
you start feeling a little bit tired and it breaks you down. If I'm going to be honest, were there days where things were hard? Sure. Were there days where we were tired and exhausted? Absolutely. There were days that I'd get home and honestly, I'd just flop on the couch for five minutes and be like, do I even want to go? Start reasoning in my head, like talking to my head, talking in my head, sorry. Hmm. Does anyone else do that? Yeah, I I feel like we all do. Yeah, there were days like I was, man, I don't even want to go. But can I tell you, church, in these moments, those moments right there, those are the moments where we must go. We must show up. We must ask God for strength to get us through. We must remain obedient. So for us, finishing the race means enduring all hardships with our eyes steadily focused on Jesus. So are you ready to run the race for Christ? Now, this isn't a race against time per se, even though we are expectant for Jesus' return. This is a race of endurance and growth with Jesus at the finish line. In order to run this race and run it well, you need to remind yourself that you were created capable, that you are an overcomer, that you walk in victory, and that you are not alone. And once you understand these things, it is your job and your responsibility to then go out and encourage and remind others. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Making a stand for Christ can sometimes mean stepping into a war zone. And knowing who you are in Christ is a huge threat to the enemy. But never forget who your king is, your creator, your father, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. We will experience obstacles along the way, and that's inevitable. But just as a runner trains and pushes through pain to build up his endurance, so must we build up endurance for Christ. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. At the end of the race, an eternity with Jesus awaits us. He is the prize, and there is more than one winner. In 2020, church, are you ready to run the race for Christ? So point number one, what was it? Are you ready to fight the good fight? Point number two, where were we? Ready to run the race, cool. This is our last point. It's our third and final. Are you ready to keep the faith? So we asked God, show us the need. Show us how we can serve, and God showed us the park. And even though I tried to talk myself into needing the bubble machine and all these little extra things to make it happen, we decided to start anyway. We swallowed our pride, and we took the little that we did have, and we just went. Because for me and Sam and my whole family, actually, it was important that first and foremost, we were obedient to what God was calling us to do. So we started off small, just, you know, really humble, but um, definitely passionate about reaching the community. And even though we had setback after setback, we, we dug our heels in and we stayed. Because we knew that um, even though the problems were really small, it was nothing compared to the bigger picture that God was actually um, painting. Yeah. And for me, having faith was something that I struggled with in the beginning. I mean, I said it straight away out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, I need to do this, or I need to do that. 
in those moments, I didn't have enough faith that God was going to move. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we had all these additional things. But can I tell you, church, when you witness God move, your faith moves. When you watch how God grows something, your faith grows too. And when your faith grows, so does your belief that God will show up through the hardest situations. Can I say, when, you know, when I meet, say, um, a broken or, you know, just a, a hurting child, and I think, I think to myself, man, this is almost a hopeless situation. How can I, how can I possibly make the difference here? But when you see God move, something happens to you. You grow this amazing faith. And now I have faith that it's God's love that's going to make the difference in that child's life. Not me. I have faith in what God's going to do. Yeah. When, we, uh, when we started in inviting the foundation kids down to the family youth dinner downstairs, uh, I, knew, I knew the transition wasn't going to be easy. But I had faith that God's grace would help these kids feel like they belong, for sure. And so whenever times get hard or whenever things happen and I don't understand why, I find myself um, leaning into God even harder in faith, that faith that's been built up in me and that he has the answers and he will provide the strength that I need to get me through. And so I want to share a moment that Sammy and I had up at Forever Free. Um, give us a quick shout if you went to Forever Free. Come on. Yeah. And this, this particular moment highlights the importance of keeping the faith, no matter how hard things get or no matter how hard things may seem or whatever, you know. God is and will always be seated on the throne, right? So for Sammy and I, this was our, this was our first time at Forever Free. We're like, yeah, we're here. We made it. Yes. We were really excited to be a part of this, um, just running alongside all these amazing uh, youth leaders and the, rest, and the rest of the youth. And um, we didn't really know what to expect, but we did arrive expected, if that kind of makes sense. And um, anyway, Amy Bond did uh, session two, uh, which was self-image. And uh, it happened to be the first session up in Anna Bay, because we did another session here, but anyway. And um, incredible, incredible message um, Amy brought, and it really did set the tone for the rest of the camp. And um, at the end of the message... Amy uh, opened up the front to allow the youth to um, just kind of come and lay down some things that they believed about themselves that were obviously not true. And, you know, as it happens, it took a little while for the first person to get up. Um, but once that first person got up and laid something down, one by one, they started getting up and going to the front and just laying down all these lies about, you know, what they believed, who they were and stuff. And uh, in this moment, I could... I just could not help but notice that the first like 15 or so kids that came up were the kids from foundation. And I mean, some of these kids were from 2018. Some of them were from 2019. So this was the moment that I realized that persevering is just so important, that pushing through the hard times is so important, you know, keeping the faith. When, uh, when they started to come forward in faith, I began to cry. I was just overwhelmed by emotion because 
I was reminded in the, about all the moments and all the times that I thought that we had failed or all the times that we were exhausted and all the times I didn't even just want to get off the couch. And I looked across at my beautiful wife and she was crying too. And we didn't even have to say anything to each other. We, we knew why each other was crying. And, you know, God is so gracious and allowed Sammy and I to actually witness a harvest in someone's life through seeds that were sowing way back when. You know what I mean? So good. And we counted ourselves lucky in that moment that we were actually able to witness that because we know that you don't always get to see the harvest, right? Sometimes sometimes sowing the seed is the only season that you're a part of, and that's totally okay. But in, in that particular moment, we were blessed to see God's hand moving in the lives of the next generation. And so for us, keeping the faith is trusting that God is in control even when we can't see it. So, are you ready to keep the faith? To have faith in God is to believe and trust in Him. To walk in the confidence that no matter what, God is in control. I still have to remind myself to hand over my emotions, my anxieties, my fears, and trust in God and His faithfulness. In Isaiah 55.8, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We have to remember that God is not bound by human capacity. In order to have faith in God, we must trust him. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times. You people pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I personally choose to keep the faith because I know that I know that I know that God is faithful. I have seen it significantly in my own life, and I have seen it in my families. God always, always, always comes through. Abraham is known as the father of faith because he trusted God even when he did not understand God's plans. So this year, church, I ask you, are you ready to fight the good fight? Are you ready to run the race for Christ? And are you ready to keep the faith? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for gathering us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you give us strength walking into this next week, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll have us fixed on, on what you want. I pray, Lord, that you'd place it before us, Lord, and we would run at it with endurance, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would fight the good fight, that we would put on the armor of God, Lord, and that we would take you into our communities. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to keep the faith, Lord, to remember that you are in control, to remember how vast you are, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you bless everyone here. I pray, Lord, that you um, fill them with your love, Lord. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.